Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, two men who would always beat their meat before a big night. It's Bread Roll and JT. <laughs> Got to crack one out for a good night or a big night on your bread roll. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get away from that idea. Um, yeah, we're back again, everyone. Sorry about last week. Shit got in the way, as it always does. So we didn't quite make the hat trick. But we are actually looking at my pick this week from a couple of weeks back. So, bread roll, what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at the first of our actual proper Sylvester Stallone movies. Um, it's taken us a while to get there. He has appeared in a couple of things we've done, like Guardians of the Galaxy. But this is one of his uh, main ones. It's called Rocky. It was actually written by the man himself. Um, it was directed by John G. Avildsen, I think that says. Um, obviously, it stars Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers. It came out on November the 20th, 1976. It runs for 119 minutes. It had a budget of 960 grand. It came back with 225 million, so an absolute stonker at the box office. Yeah, it did all right, didn't it? I wonder, again, as we said about Pirates last week, although you put me straight on that, whether he thought this was going to make money or not, because it is quite, although 960 grand, it doesn't really look like 960 grand was spent on it. So I don't know, most of that money probably went on the actors. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, great return, isn't it, really? And one thing, I hadn't seen this since my school days, I think I might have said when I suggested it. Um, and I, I didn't remember much about it, but watching it again today, again, as most of these films, a lot of it did come back. But it is quite slow paced, didn't it? And I do remember preferring the sort of later movies where it got a bit more action packed back when I was a kid. Yeah, um, I I got to be honest, I was never a massive fan of these movies. I do remember, the only one I remember thoroughly, and probably because it was a bit more in of my time, and like you just said there, probably because it's a bit more kind of full on. I always remember the fourth one when I had Dolph Lundgren in it, but yeah. all the others, they're like, they're like Top Gun in a way. I know they're classic movies and they've got all those tropes and everyone loves them, but I was never a big fan of them. I just happened to watch them when I was growing up because they were always on TV and all my friends used to like them. But Rocky 1, 2 and 3... They kind of like in my head smushed together. I roughly knew what happened. I just couldn't remember which movie each thing kind of happened in. And I hadn't seen it for fucking ages. So, yeah, I went into it a bit kind of like fresh, kind of knowing what was going to go on. But, um, yeah, like you say, it's a bit of a slow burner, this one, as from what I was expecting anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you say now about Stallone being in Guardians. I'd forgotten about that. But this is the first proper Stallone film we've done. I mean, we've done so many Arnie films and these two were big enemies in the 80s. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Arnie documentary on Netflix yet. It's well worth a, a view, but they did genuinely fucking hate each other back in the 80s. They were trying to outdo each other. Obviously, Arnie won, and Sly has a little cameo in that documentary, and he admits, you know, fucking Arnie won at the end of the day. He was Arnie. I just couldn't keep up with that. Yeah, yeah, they did. They're sort of frenemies more than anything else. I think it was a professional rivalry, although they did obviously get a bit angsty. They're great friends these days, but... Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of both of them growing up, and I haven't watched that documentary yet. It's still on my list because I love Arnie, but they're actually doing a Stallone one as well, which, again, should be quite interesting to watch. And although Arnie, like we said before, he was always my favourite of the two, and he was the big action star. And he actually set um, Stallone up a couple of times. like He made out like he was going to do a movie or like he was auditioning. So then Stallone would rush to do the movie and end up being a really shit one, like um, Stop or My Mum Will Shoot or something. Arnie actually set him up for that. I think it's a real story. But Stallone was always the more diverse actor of the two, I think. Yeah. He did a wider range of like things like this, you know, dramas and thrillers and stuff, whereas Arnie was just like full-on action, which as a kid is probably why I liked Arnie a bit more, because I just loved all his big action movies. But Stallone had a bit more versatility about him. 
Yeah, he did, didn't he? I mean, he, he did the whole Rambo thing. But other than that, I mean, there was Cobra and some other shit, obviously the Rocky films. So, yeah, he was, a, yeah, definitely a bit more diverse. I mean, he's not got the best speaking voice, but he's a bit more coherent than Arnie. Yeah, he definitely is. And his, um, his slur that he's obviously famous for, I think he actually put that on heavier in this movie to make Rocky seem a bit more kind of... um. I don't want to say like simple. I don't think he's a simple character. He's actually more intelligent. I remember him being like, he's just a bit more of a street kid. So he didn't have a good education, but he actually emphasizes his slur in this movie to make Rocky seem a bit more kind of low key. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I'll obviously give my thoughts at the end, but yeah, he, he is quite a complex character, Rocky, and he's got quite a fair bit going on in his life. Yeah, he certainly does. And I was looking through IMDb and um, Stallone had actually done a fair few things before this, but all his like, major ones that we remember him for came after this. So this is nearly the movie that really put him on the map. And I'd forgotten he'd actually written it himself. So fair play to him, but kind of like writing his own ticket almost. But um, yeah, this is obviously the movie that really kind of kickstarted his career because he got, as we just said, massive after this, second only to Arnie. Yeah, no, I'd forgotten he'd written it as well. He did a porno, didn't he? <laughs> Which um, the VHS boys have reviewed. Uh, oh God! <laughs> yeah, it's actually. I think you. I think you do see full on, full frontal sly. Whether he's got a stonk on or not, I don't know. But yeah, he actually did some low budget fucking porno. And I think that might have been the first thing he ever did. God, I, I wasn't even aware he did that. But I might have to check out that review. I might not check out the actual the full article itself. But I might check out the review because the VHS boys are brilliant. If anyone who um out there who likes. Sort of the old movies and bits and pieces. Definitely check them out because they're good lads. Certainly, I mean they influenced us quite heavily to start this, didn't they? We're not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was just a couple of lads enjoying a good time talking about movies, and we thought, yeah, that's kind of like what we do regularly. So let's record it and see what happens. So there you go. Yeah, um, I'm trying to find out what the name of that film was before we start, but I can't <laughs> find it. It's not on his um, wiki. Um, but check out the VHS boys. They've got a massive back catalogue, and it's definitely on there. It was fairly recently in the last few months. Oh, there we go. So uh, let's look at the old synopsis here for Rocky. As always, this is coming from Wikipedia and it goes a little something like this. So in 1975, the heavyweight boxing world champion Apollo Creed announces plans to hold a title bout in Philadelphia during the upcoming United States Bicentennial. However, he is informed five weeks from the fight date that he is scheduled opponent is unable to compete due to an arm injury uh, sorry, due to injuring his hand and all other potential replacements are either booked up or unable to get in shape in time. Having already invested heavily into the fight, Creed decides to spice things up by giving a local contender a chance to challenge him. So that's kind of like where the sort of premise of the movie goes, but it doesn't open like that. It opens like, fuck me, like it was shot on, I don't know, a really shit handy cam in this dark little dingy club. And it's Rocky having a fight, isn't it? In like his local kind of, I don't know, wherever it's supposed to be, gym or something. It is. I mean, I have to say that synopsis is shit because that's about half an hour into the film. Like we find <laughs> out about Apollo Creed. Yeah, I mean, it opens with that iconic music. Everyone knows the Rocky music, I'm sure. Um, obviously, it was unknown at the time. And Rocky, <laughs> the guy who's fighting is some fucking hairy dude. He's a white guy with an afro in some absolute shithole of a gym, like you say. And I've got the same thing here. Straight away, this film looks so dated. It really hasn't cleaned up well, whether they've even bothered to have a go at it or just left it as it was. But I think it works. Philadelphia in the 70s was probably not being horrible, a bit of a shithole. So that kind of works, doesn't it? But, I mean, this fight is so bad. It's like 
not badly shot. It's just so like um, underground. The guy headbutts Rocky at one point. The referee just looks and does nothing. And then Rocky knocks the absolute shit out of the other guy. And the referee doesn't intervene. It's the bell that stops it. So obviously it's some real dodgy fight they're having. It's not regulated at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one step away from fucking Bricktop being in the crowd, isn't it? Or something <laughs> like that. But I, I um, again, I completely forgotten how this movie opens. And I kind of knew roughly. I just remember like him standing in a meat locker beating up like fucking, I don't know, sides of cows at one point. But that comes a bit later on. Um, yeah, completely forgot this, but yeah, it looks so retro. And all the people in the crowd, they're just these proper like beard up guys, fags on the go, aren't they? Cigarettes, yeah. that is, from the 70s. Um, and just all this sort of stuff going on. And I did wonder, like, because like you say, the guy sort of nuts in one and then Rocky like proper like fucking plows him. And I thought, is that actually part of his character? Like, he's he's sort of a fair game until someone pushes it too far and he just fucking snaps. But I don't remember if that comes into it much more down the line. I just didn't know that's supposed to be a kind of character thing, but it never really gets played on after this. No, not really. I mean, apart from when he, he's fighting, con- considering all the shit that's going to go on in his life as the film progresses with Paulie and people who we haven't met yet, obviously, but he seems quite mild-mannered for it all, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He's really chill because after this, like, he gets out of the ring and he goes out back and there's a guy in the fucking locker room, another boxer, and he's there with like, his fucking tape and his gloves on. He just sort of chilled out of a fag in his mouth having a beer. And I was like, well, there you go. World's greatest athlete. I mean, I could have done that back in the day. Well, straight away, Sly fucking lights a cigarette as well. So, yeah, they're not exactly like elite athletes, are they? Yeah, and then they, he's like, he's sat there and um, the geezer comes in, the promoter, I guess he is. And he's like, oh, yeah, Rocky, um, you know, here's your money for the uh, the sort of like the promotion and everything like that. And I think he gets like $47. But then the guy's like, yeah, but it's like $10 for the shower, $5 for this, something for that. And he gets like, fuck all in the end. And Rocky's just like, yeah, then do I fight next type thing. And it's like, <laughs> like no, I don't want to do that for like $5. Yeah, exactly. Then we see him walking past this pet shop. And there's puppies in the window. I mean, imagine that these days, just having puppies in the window of a pet shop, just running about. I mean, that would never happen. And he gets back to his flat room, whatever he's living. I mean, it's an absolute shithole. And he's got this turtle or two turtles in a bowl. Poor things. Like, that bowl looks horrible. Yeah, it's fucking manky. There's no room for those fucking turtles to move, is there? And it's like, fair play. Like, he really likes animals and stuff, as we sort of find out. But it's like, dude, if you're going to have a pet, at least give it the right fucking space it needs. I mean, like you say, his apartment's a shithole, but it's the same with his movies, isn't it? It's like, he's obviously, he's got no money. He lives in a shitty apartment, but his apartment isn't actually a bad size looking at it. It's like, it's fairly decent. Like, if he cleaned it up a little bit, he'd have much more space, but it's just full of fucking crap. And he's got like a mattress hanging from the ceiling, which I assume he uses as like a fucking punching bag or something. Well, there's a knife hanging out of it. And I think at one point later on in the film, when Mickey comes to see him, who we'll meet in a bit, I think he's thrown a knife into it, or I know he throws darts into the door as well. <laughs> so he obviously doesn't care about the place. Um, and then we meet Adrian for the first time, which the synopsis didn't bother to tell us. We, he goes back to the pet shop, and that's where she's working. And he's obviously got a bit of a thing for her. I mean, she's made out to be a proper geek. She's so shy. She won't even look him in the eyes. She won't speak to him. But you can tell, as in all these films, she's going to scrub up quite nicely. Yeah, absolutely. That it took me a minute to realise that was Adrian at yeah, first. Um, I was like, oh, he's just obviously in the pet shop doing whatever, and then it's sort of clocked. I think he does say her name or something uh, later on, um, and it turns out he's trying to cheese her up now. But yeah, it took me a minute to kind of clock, and then something I completely forgot after this. He's um, he kind of works a bit shady, doesn't he? He's doing like shakedowns for some fucking I don't know. He's supposed to be a gangster or a loan shark or whatever. But, um, 
he goes to the docks, don't he? He obviously gets some cash off this guy and he's supposed to break his thumb, but he doesn't. And then the kind of gangster guy catches up with him, bollocks him for not breaking the guy's thumb or anything. And so I forgot he did all this sort of crap. Yeah, I absolutely forgot about that as well. It's funny though, that bloke's on this, like, I don't know, it's not forklift, some little truck thing. And he sees Rocky and he drives off, doesn't he? And Rocky's chasing him. His face is like, as he's driving off. And Rocky's fucking chasing him. He's like, come back here. And <laughs> that bit did make me laugh. And then this loan shark guy, who actually in one scene reminded me of Boise. He's wearing a fucking camel hair jacket. Yeah. Like, bloody hell, he looks like Boise. Um, he, um, he's asking his boss. Well, his boss says, oh, you need to go out and do this job. Um, on Del Rio, and he's like, how do you spell Del Rio? And he keeps asking, I was like, it's not that fucking hard. I, I suppose that's playing on the fact that he wasn't properly educated. Yeah, because he's got his little notebook now, and he's got this driver, he's a right little bellend, hasn't he? The gangster guy does, he keeps giving Rocky a hard time, and it's like, I know you think you're some kind of like tough guy, but Rocky, simple as he appears, he's still a fucking big bloke, and probably knock you out, mate, so I'd fucking wind it back if I was you. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with him, definitely not. And Rocky's got this little black bouncy ball, and he loves it. He's bouncing it around, chucking it about. It's like his little, almost his pet. I suppose his turtles are his proper pet, but he's always got this bouncy ball. Yeah, and then he kind of goes into a bar, doesn't he? And the guy um, is sort of trying to give him some advice, and he's not listening. But this is where we first, this is the first time we actually see Apollo uh, Apollo Creed in the, the show, don't we? He sees him on the TV, and that fucking yeah. TV Again, looks so retro, like really sort of tinny sound effects. It's black and white. The lines are flickering around on it. It's absolutely dreadful. But this is like the one and only time, or not the one and only, but the first time in the movie we've actually seen Apollo, who hasn't actually in the film that much. Obviously, considering it's Carl Weathers and he's quite a famous character. I know he gets bigger as the movies go on, but he's not actually in this movie very much. Yeah, I've got the same thing here. I mean, we, we only really see him suited up sort of getting the fight promoted until the end when we actually see the fight. He's not not in it at all, really. Um, before we, we meet Apollo, or we see him on the TV, we do meet um, Mickey, the gym manager. Uh, Rocky goes back there and finds out his locker's been taken. There's a random sign on the wall as well saying no kissing in the locker room, which is a bit weird, I thought. But um, anyway, he tries to, well, he breaks into his locker room, then he gets a fire extinguisher off the wall and breaks into it. And he gets told, basically, he's been kicked out. It's not your locker. So then he goes to moan to Mickey, who has to be the most fucking grumpy person in the world ever. He hates everyone, doesn't he? He's like, everyone who fucking speaks to him. Yeah, I, I do remember Mickey. And I always remember hating him as a kid. I thought he's just like a really angry, constipated little gnome of a bloke. And he's such a fucking miserable prick. And I, I still don't like him now. He just fucking annoyed me throughout the whole movie. And he's like, ah, Rocky, yeah, you're going out there. You're working with loan sharks. You've got to bin someone. But you're a bum. And does all this sort of stuff. And he's like, so I gave you a fucking lock and a flash bollocks in the ring here. He's actually got a fight coming up and stuff. And Rocky's kind of like, yeah, I've been here for 20 years. You give a luck with me, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, he's like a right miserable little bastard, isn't he, this bloke? He is. That's a great impression of both of them. <laughs> Going back to the bit in the bar, just before we move on a little bit, um, we first meet Paulie there, who's Rocky's mate, and he's doing his hair in the toilet in this fucking shard of glass from a broken mirror that's about the size <laughs> of a thimble. And his hair's fucking shit. Anyway, he's bald on top with bits everywhere. It's Burgess Meredith who plays him. <laughs> Why are you even fucking bothering? Yeah, fair play. He's putting the effort in. But like you say, I've got a feeling you're fighting a losing battle there, mate. <laughs> I think he is. Mind you, he's always pissed, isn't he, Paulie? Constantly. Yeah. And I think we're also here as well. We meet just, I don't know, just some random fucking girl. Like, Rocky's walking home. And like, again, as you said, the 70s, Philadelphia... Yeah, maybe it was a bit of a shithole. I had its slum areas, but the streets look like some out of a fucking post-apocalyptic movie or something. They're all like boarded up windows and all this shit. And this girly, I don't know who she's supposed to be, 
she's around with a bunch of fucking like smackheads or whatever. And he's like, go over And he's like trying to fucking talk to her. And he's like, you know, you shouldn't be hanging out with people like that. And he tries to give her advice saying it's your reputation, people are remembering everything because they'll be like, oh yeah, it's, you know, you're the one who hung out with a smackhead and you slept with everyone. People won't want to know you when you're older. And that gives you a hint that he understands like reputation and being straight up with people means something. But she just kind of tells him the fuck off. Yeah, but again, we've said it in all these films. As he walks her back through the the streets of Philadelphia, Bruce Springsteen song, um, there's literally no one about, is there? Like, literally, it's just him and her. Obviously, he met her with the crackheads, but after they left them, there's just no one around. And he keeps going, No, you'll turn out to be a whore, and all this suddenly to her. And yeah, she just gives him the fucking finger when she gets back to her house. Yeah, I was thinking that because he does does say, Oh, you'll get the reputation of a whore, and there's a few things like that. And I'm not, you know, crude or anything like that but I'm thinking this movie's actually only a PG or something isn't it so there's some pretty kind of strong references I know about then obviously you've got to wear a bit more on these sort of movies because everything's a bloody 12A these days but I thought some of the like lingo and language they throw around was a bit heavy for a PG movie back in the day I kind of thought the opposite to be honest I mean it's rated 16 plus on Prime where I watched it higher than that I thought it was a PG for some reason I think it was a PG on I think if you look at the DVD Blu-ray or whatever it's probably a PG um, but 16 plus on Prime, that's probably cause, just because of the, the. I mean, there's not a lot of violence in there, but the fight at the end is pretty full on. Um, but I thought the language is a bit tame. There's no F-bombs or anything in it, is there? Nothing like that. No, it's nothing like that. I think it's just like references like whore and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I mean, I know they are what they are, but I just thought for PG movies, that sort of thing you threw in. But obviously, I know they did in a lot of movies back in the day. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And just before we we do move on... <laughs> Literally everyone in Philly seems to know him, don't they? Every time he walks around the corner, there is someone there. Hey, Rocky. It's like, fucking hell, everyone knows him. This is before he's even fought Apollo and became really famous. Yeah, and speaking of Apollo, this is where we kind of, as the synopsis gave us at the start, this is where we actually get that scene. So like I say, we're just sort of 20 minutes into the movie or so now. And obviously we see Apollo and he's sort of like, he's all suited and booted. He's at his desk. He's got all his promoters and his idiots around him and stuff. And they're all like, oh, we need a contender and all this sort of stuff. Um, but he's all like proper done up, isn't he? I mean, I'm, I'm not a big yeah. fan of boxing, but I know one thing is it's all about the money and who holds oh, the contracts yeah. in boxing, isn't it? There's so much fucking shady handshakes and money grubbing in that sort of industry, but he's there and he's all fucking suit and tie, big wooden desk and all that stuff and all his entourage around him like he's some kind of like fucking rapper. Yeah, it's weird as well. So he's flicking through this book, like looking for someone to fight and Rocky's in there somehow. So he must be a registered fighter to be in this book. He's like, ah, him, uh, the Italian stallion, Rocky Balboa. I want to fight him. So somehow he must be registered somewhere. Yeah, I thought that was weird because, like you say, you've got like that's first of all, they're talking about like the number one contenders, and he's like the world heavyweight champion. I assume there is only one world heavyweight champion in boxing. I'm not sure if it's like you've got like divisions or like fucking loads I don't know. now. There's loads yeah, now. Back then, I think there was one, but yeah, there's about 20 fucking belts now. Yeah, well, there you go. But like you say, he's like he's talking about the first couple of contenders, and he picks up the yellow pages apparently, and he's like, "Oh, I need to find somebody else." Oh, the <laughs> Italian stallion. I absolutely love that. Apollo Creed takes on the Italian stallion. He does all this fucking stuff, and it's like, fucking hell, mate. I mean, <laughs> all the fucking boxers in the entire country that are probably a bit more legit. You just find some random ass dude from the ass end of Philadelphia. But he's like, yeah, everyone should give uh, a local underdog a chance to fight and everything, doesn't he? So he wants to give him a chance because he's a sort of local guy, I guess. But yeah, it's a bit random he chooses him, but then there wouldn't have been a film if he didn't. Yeah. So now Creed selects Rocky Balboa, an Italian-American journeyman southpaw boxer who fights primarily in small gyms and works as a collector for a loan shark on the basis of his nickname, the Italian Stallion. 
Rocky meets with the promoter George Jurgens, having been told that Creed is seeking local sparring partners. Reluctant at first, Rocky eventually agrees to the fight, which will pay him 150 grand. Rocky undergoes several weeks, sorry, the screen's just gone off, several weeks of unorthodox training, such as using sides of beef as punching bags. <laughs> Rocky is later approached by Mickey uh, Goldmill, a former bantamweight fighter turned trainer whose gym Rocky frequents after further training. Rocky is not willing initially, as Mickey has not shown much interest in helping him before and saw him as wasted talent, but eventually Rocky accepts the offer. Now, again, this is another pretty wanky synopsis, Wikipedia. Shame on you, because, again, this just kind of like sums up the next sort of 40 minutes of the movie with no actual flavour in there. But, um, yeah, essentially, we do move on, and he has he does meet the Jurgens guy, and he thinks he's going for sparring, but ends up being an actual fight, isn't it? Yeah, it's just weird the way they've thrown Mickey in there before now because we've met him a long time before that. Um, and obviously, in a minute, it's going to mention Adrian, spoiler alert, and we meet her quite early on. So this synopsis is a bit topsy-turvy, isn't it? And it's quite hard because I based, I didn't have this in front of me, the synopsis, when I watched this. So I was trying to base my notes around it, and I was like, this is all over the fucking place. Yeah, so I won't do that. I'll do the next bit now because it all kind of comes together in this area. So Rocky begins to build a romantic relationship with Adrian Panino, a shy woman who is working part-time at the J&M Tropical Fish Pet Shop. Adrian's brother and Rocky's best friend, Paulie, helps Rocky get a date with his sister and offers to work as a corner man for him in the fight. Paulie becomes jealous of Rocky's success, but Rocky placates him by agreeing to advertise the meatpacking business where Paulie works as part of the match and puts more effort into promoting the training. The night before the match, Rocky visits the Philadelphia uh, Spectrum and begins to lose confidence. He confesses to Adrian that he does not believe he can win but strives to go the distance against Creed, which no um, no other fighter has ever done, to prove himself to everyone. So, yeah, that kind of wraps up and brings us towards the end. But a lot kind of goes on here because he gets his first date with Adrian, and she doesn't know about it, does she? Because, like, no. Paulie comes to get him, and they're walking down, and he's like, yeah, you know, is she sure she's expecting me? And all that sort of stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, she's expecting you. She's really excited. They walk in the house, and she's just in her fucking pinny making scrambled eggs or something. And she's like, no, I'm not going out with him. <laughs> fucking runs off. She's making a turkey since Thanksgiving and fucking Paulie pulls the turkey out of the oven and just starts munching on it, doesn't he? <laughs> fucking munching on this whole turkey, pretty much. And, um, I mean, he's walked along the street as well, just with a bottle of whiskey in his pocket, which seems to become his little trademark, because he's at work as well, isn't he? And he's just got his bottle of whiskey in his fucking, like, butcher's jacket, whatever he's, he's wearing. So, I mean, why haven't you been fired or was drinking on the job, except for 1975? Maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah, not much of a change but um again they come in and they all these people they look like they're kind of down on their luck and everything and yeah maybe i know things are a bit different in america and stuff but their house is actually again fairly decent size it appears to me when they go in obviously it's her and it's paulie and adrian who live there um but i thought well there's worse places to live in there i mean it looks like they're doing all right overall he runs his own business he's got his own house what more do you want yeah i mean there's a part i think when they first go in there when he, he goes to try and get um, Adrian to come out. The house looks a bit of a shithole, but later on in the film, it looks like really nice. On Christmas Day, I believe it is. We'll probably get to that bit, although it's probably not in the synopsis because nothing is. In fact, I don't think it is looking at it here. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean, but houses in America are technically, well, they're, they're normally bigger than what we can get over here because Americans love everything big, don't they? And love to our American listeners out there. You, you love everything big and brash, don't you? Yeah, yeah, they certainly do. There's more bang for your buck over there, literally. Yeah, but um, I thought the date they go on, 
is is pretty decent as well. Like he takes her to like an ice skating drink and he's sort of like he's being quite nice around he's not being like pushy or anything. And then she's like, Oh, why do you fight? He's like, because I can't sing or dance. So I thought it was yeah. a pretty good comeback for him. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it though? So they go to this ice skating rink and it's closed. The bloke's like, It's closed, it's Thanksgiving. Well, the door was fucking open. Why don't you lock the door then if it's closed? But anyway, Rocky gives him like a blag and doesn't he ten dollars for ten minutes on the ice. And she's skating around, bless her. And, you know, and she sort of opens up a bit to him, doesn't she? And he's just slipping about and sort of skating along on in his shoes, isn't he? He hasn't got any ice skates on or anything. But I thought, although it's it's quite sweet and everything, why did they go there? If they just wanted to chat, why not just go to a bar or a cafe or even just walk along the street? Why did they have to just have 10 minutes on the ice? But, yeah, it's a nice gesture. Yeah, and they go, they go back to his flat, don't they? And she's a little bit unsure at first. And to be fair, it was such a shit how I'd be a bit worried. If I was Rocky and I was thinking of bringing a you know bird home, I'd at least sort of put the hoover around or something. <laughs> yeah, I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, I, I need to. I, I maybe I should go home. Um, Paulie, I wonder where I am. And he goes, oh, don't worry, we can tell him. And he just hangs out the window. He's like, hey, Paulie, you're just <laughs> shouting down the fucking street. I thought that was brilliant. That bit did make me laugh. I mean, his window's all taped up, isn't it, with black fucking like tape and everything. It's an absolute tip. And then he does have a bit of a dick move here because, like you said, she says she's uncomfortable and she wants to go, and he blocks the door. And I'm thinking that's a bit of a dick move. If if she wants to go, let her go. But then he actually turns it around. He's like, "I want to kiss you, but if you don't want to kiss me, then you don't have to." And then they do kiss, and at first it's a bit awkward. Then they're fucking led on the floor, like properly chewing each other's mouths off. Yeah, it literally goes from like naught to fucking, you know, riding him like a fucking pony, like naught to 60, <laughs> isn't it, really? But fair play. I mean, I do like the way the relationship builds in this one. And I've forgotten how character driven this movie was. Like, there's very little about boxing, like actual proper boxing in it. Like, apart from the bit we opened with at the start and obviously the fight at the end, it's not like boxing all the way through. It's more about him as a person, isn't it? As opposed to what's really what he actually does. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's more of a drama, isn't it? There's no real action in it apart from the fight at the end and the fight at the start. Other than that, it's just sort of sandwiched a massive long drama. And it's just under 120 minutes, 119. So it's in my wheelhouse, just about. Yeah, and then we sort of get a bit of, I mean, this is another thing I always remember from these movies and it's kind of been camp, um, sort of like um, parodied and referenced loads of times, but these movies are known for a bit of music, cheesy music, and they're, kind of montages and we see like everyone's starting to find out now that Rocky's going to be fighting Apollo Creed and the whole town like like you said everyone in Philadelphia seems to know him but the whole fucking place is behind him he's like jogging around doing his thing and even his loan shark guy gives him like $500 doesn't he, he goes yeah, these is to sort of help you out get you started and he takes a cigarette out of his mouth he's like you're not allowed to smoke these anymore you're training and it's like fucking hell. everyone's like literally in his corner right now yeah, they are. Yeah, that's where he really looked like Boise, that bit where he gives him the $500. And we get a couple of montages of Rocky training and the music playing and everything. And at first, I think it's called the Philadelphia Monument or something, correct me if I'm wrong. He, he's he been jogging and he tries to run up the stairs and he can't fucking do it. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do that. And then we do get a montage a bit later on where he's properly like toned now and he's he's pretty fit and he just runs up the stairs and he's like jumping around. I think that's quite a famous scene, but... There's one bit, he's jumping around with his arms in the air and we get slow-mo of Sly just sort of, and poor bloke, he's like, he looks really gormless. Because <laughs> 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 then we also get a bit as well where um he, like, he like Paulie's like trying to do some promotion for him because they have a bit of a falling out and then they sort of make up again. Like Paulie always seems to be in a bad mood, but then he's friends with him again like five minutes later. But you get mm. some 
reporters into the meat locker, doesn't he? And he's like, um, saying, oh, this is where I train and all that sort of stuff. And they're like, oh, can we see you train? And he sort of like starts beating his meat, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and then we see one of Apollo's guys, he's watching the TV, and then he actually watches like Rocky, obviously the news report and everything, and he realises that Rocky can actually throw some pretty brutal punches, and he's trying to get Apollo's attention. And Apollo's like, no, no, I'm busy, son, and all that sort of stuff. But we see one guy actually starting to take notes and think, shit, this guy might actually, you know, do some damage here. Yeah, there's a couple of bits here. I mean, how 70s is that woman who interviews him? If that's oh, just God. like, if you wanted to describe a 70s woman, just her. But I, I was thinking, right, the first time when Paulie pisses him off, because Paulie, right, starts going, are you screwing my sister? And he's like, oh, you don't talk about sister. And I'm like, you fucking put them together. So don't ever go at Sly now or Rocky now if he's like boning her because you fucking got them together. And then Rocky starts punching the meat, as it said there, beating the meat. And he fucks his hand up and, like, poor old um, Adrian sort of tries to help him and he pushes her away, doesn't he? Because he's like, I I need to be training now. We can't have any hanky-panky or anything. I need to focus. And then that's how now he's training, by smashing that fucking meat. I'm like, you nearly broke your hand last time. You're about to fight the world champion. Surely you don't want to have knackered hands. You wouldn't be able to fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And we also get old fucking... um angry gnome guy turns up at his house doesn't he what's his name that fucking miserable prick from the that's it mickey he turns up at the fucking house and he like starts saying i gotta train you kid you got the chance and all that fucking rubbish and rocky's having none of it because he's like he's like just telling him to leave then he fucks off into the toilet and mickey sort of makes like he's gonna open the door but he closes it so rocky thinks he's gone and he comes out the shitter looks at him and just walks back in again that did make me laugh as well there's, there's a couple of i don't know if they're supposed to be funny there's the window bit where he shouts at paulie and that bit it both made me laugh the way he just pops his head out sees him still there and just goes back in the toilet oh, that'd be great <laughs> but yeah and then he's again he's being a bit of a dick here rocky because he's shouting at mickey fair enough mickey's stitched him up over the last six years pretty much by not sort of helping him so he's properly going oh, fucking oh, as mickey's leaving the flat and Rocky's punching his shit at the door. And I'm like, right, okay, again, you've got a massive fight coming up. Why are you punching the door? You're going to break your hand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like, you're not looking after yourself, isn't it? And then, like, like, obviously, the synopsis kind of said there, he does, he's kind of going it alone and being a knob to people, isn't he? But then eventually he realises that, shit, I do actually need some help here. So he does kind of reconcile them a bit. And then, as you say, like, as the montages go on, you see him going up the stairs and he's struggling. But as they're all helping him and he's training harder and faster, get the old music playing, that iconic music, as you mentioned earlier and stuff. And he's starting to sort of really gear himself up. And I think the main line here, because I forgot how this ended. I know he becomes world champion at some point, but he's like, I just want to go the distance because no one can go the distance with Creed. And that's obviously where it goes for the fight, isn't it? It doesn't actually go for the title. Yeah. The the bit where he does fall out with Paulie is quite brutal, actually, because there's it's quite a funny bit where we see Paulie coming home. And he's pissed out of his face, as always, but properly pissed this time. He can hardly walk. And he picks up a bin, sort of falls over, nearly falls into it. And you're like, oh, OK, this is quite funny. And then it cuts to um, Adrian and Rocky that are in the house. And the house looks quite nice now. I think it's Christmas. Christmas music's playing. They've got decorations up. And Paulie comes in and he's properly drunk and he starts having a go at Rocky. And then he starts having a go at uh, Adrian as well. And then he gets a fucking baseball bat, doesn't he? And just starts smashing the place up. He's properly lost it. Yeah, and Rocky, again, it shows that like he's quite a placid character, really, because he doesn't really react very much, does he? He just kind of sits there and he, like, shields Adrian a bit, but he doesn't, like, sort of stand up and sort of try and restrain Paulie at first or anything like that, does he? He just kind of sits there and says, I'll go if you want. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously Adrian, he goes into Adrian's bedroom, she's like, do you want a flatmate? So she's going to move in with Rocky and sleep on that little single bed he's got. 
Um, you know, no hanky-panky as well because he's in full training. But then in the next scene, he's talking to Mickey, um, not Mickey, uh, what's his fucking name? Paulie. Like they're best mates again. I'm like, well, last night he was threatening you with a baseball bat. So, I mean, Paulie's obviously an alcoholic, so maybe that's something that happens quite often and Rocky just brushes it off. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But it did seem to be like every five minutes they were friends and then they were enemies and stuff. It's like, fucking hell, guys, sort it out. It's like EastEnders. (laughs) Yeah. So on New Year's Day, the fight is held with Creed making a dramatic entrance dressed as George Washington and the Uncle Sam. Taking advantage of his overconfidence, Rocky knocks him down in the first round, the first time that Creed has ever been knocked down. Humbled and worried, Creed takes Rocky more seriously for the rest of the fight, though his ego never fully fades. The fight goes on for the full 15 rounds, with both combatants sustaining various injuries. Rocky, with uh, hits to a head and a swollen eye, requires his right eyelid to be cut to restore his vision. Apollo, with internal bleeding and a broken rib, struggles to breathe. As the fight concludes, Creed's superior skills is countered by Rocky's apparently unlimited ability to absorb punches and his his dogged refusal to go down. As the final bell sounds, both fighters embraced each other. They promised that each other there will be no rematch. After the fight, the sportscasters and the audience go wild. Jurgens announces over the loudspeaker that the fight was the greatest exhibition of guts and stamina in the history of the ring, and Rocky calls out repeatedly for Adrian, who runs down and poorly distracts security to help her get into the ring. As Jurgens declares Creed the winner by virtue of a split decision, Rocky and Adrian embrace and profess their love for each other, not caring about the outcome of the fight. So it always comes down to these big kind of like battles, doesn't it? And obviously, you know, thing like this obviously was going to be the boxing match but again although it's shot a bit rinky dink like this stadium looks so old school compared to what they're like these days but I assume both Stallone and um, Carl Weathers did all this fight because there wasn't much room for stand-ins from the way the cameras were done I thought the same thing they must have done there's there's definitely no way for doubles in this no it, I mean it's shot really well I'm, it's a bit over the top obviously got a bit of Hollywood in there but it's not totally over the top and some of the the punches look real when like um stallone's punching old uh carl weathers in the ribs and that that is shot really well and looks really real yeah yeah it's good and again i'm as you know i used to be a bit of a wrestling fan i still follow it now and although that's obviously completely different to boxing from a movie perspective i could really appreciate it as a wrestling fan because obviously wrestling is telling stories with physicality in the ring they tell a story when they wrestle and everything and that's exactly what these guys were doing, obviously, because there wasn't much talking like a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader thing where they usually like throwing a load of banter at each other during the end duel. It was just them talking. And then it was obviously when they go to the corner, you sort of heard what was happening from the coaches and stuff. So the actual way they kind of told the story without actually being able to say anything, it was all done down to like the boxing. Again, it was really good, I thought. Yeah. I mean, Rocky, as the synopsis says there, uh, knocks uh, Creed down in the first round, right at the end of the first round. And then there's a bit in the second round where Creed is knocking the absolute shit out of Rocky. I mean, the fight would have been stopped. There's no way they'd let it go on. It probably was a little bit more full-on back in the day before we had the probably health and safety coming and everything. I mean, boxing, you're punching each other, but there's a limit. Um, But, I mean, this is just full-on, isn't it? It would have never gone the full distance, I don't think. No, definitely not. Especially, as it says there, there's like fucking cracked ribs and all kinds going on. And I did think, again, um, sort of like contradictory to what I said earlier about this being a PG of the language, the bit where they actually cut Rocky's eye open, I thought was pretty, you know, not like gory or like mental or anything, but it's pretty full on. Cause he's like, Oh, just cut it, just cut it. I need to see sort of thing. So they actually just get like a little blade out and cut the kind of like the swollen flesh. And I thought that was pretty like, Ooh. 
I thought it looked really good as well. It looked real. Like when Rockstar can't see and his eyes all fucking closed up, it's like shit, that does actually look really real. Yeah. And it's um again, like we say, it's a pretty well shot thing. There's a couple of bits that made me laugh because I said like they're not really talking to each other. You kind of find out what's happening in the match when they go out to the corners and they're like, oh, you've got to drop him. You know, you're struggling with this. But there's a couple of bits at the start of each round. And like Apollo Creed, I swear he's trying to be like, like, you know, just mouthy or kind of like go Rocky on. But where he's got his gum shield and you can't hear it, he's just like going, ah, 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 <laughs> just making these fucking weird noises. <laughs> it is quite funny. I mean, we get the first sort of two rounds almost in their entirety. And then we get a montage of the next few. Again, with um, some more... I love that music, the slow music with just the drum beat, the instrumental. I, that's one of my favourite pieces of film music, I reckon. Um, and we get sort of a montage. And as I said, it, it does look pretty full-on and quite realistic, a lot of it. Yeah, especially, again, considering it's age, the 70s, it was shot with quite a low budget. You know, fair play to them, because, as I say, it had to be those two doing it, um, the action, because there was no room for stand-ins. And obviously the match comes to its sort of conclusion and stuff. And they do both say, he's like, you're not getting a rematch. He's like, yeah, I do, well, one sort of thing. And they sort of like, and then he's like, this guy's trying to interview him and he's just constantly calling for fucking Adrian, isn't he? I don't know how she fucking hears him though, right? Like, it's obviously the announcer's going on, which is really low key in the backgrounds if it's not even, again, showing this is more of a drama because you don't even get the full-on announcement that, you know, Creed's won the fight. It's not just said there. It's just like, you just hear the announcer in the background while he's going, Adrian! <laughs> she comes out and she runs through the crowd and I don't know if she's just running to him because I'm thinking you, you wouldn't be able to hear him. There's no way. No, no, absolutely not. And again, I don't know if it's just done for the drama of the um, the movie or something. That probably is. I mean, I, like I said, I don't watch box. I don't know what it's like then. I don't know what it's like now, really, apart from a few things I see pop up on like Twitter what, announcing a fight. But seemingly all the crowd have just rushed around the ring. There's like this whole fucking mosh pit going on. It's like, Surely there'd be like crowd control and security because suddenly like they the match ends and then like everyone in that arena just seems to be like fucking swarming the ring like a bunch of fucking aliens or something. Yeah, I don't think that would happen these days. To be honest, I don't really watch boxing these days. It's all on box office and I'm not paying 20 quid for a fight that might last two minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you get the full 12, I think they're only 12 rounds now, not 15. Um, fair enough, you get your money's worth, but you don't know what's going to happen. But I suppose that's the joy of people who, who like it. I mean, I'm not, I don't hate boxing, but it's certainly not one of my favourite sports. Yeah, fair. And then, like you said there, like the music, that's one thing I always do remember from these movies. So I don't remember what the plot is. They just have that sort of music that's just iconic to this um, this this franchise, isn't it? Like I said earlier about like Top Gun, not a big fan of that, but there's certain songs and types of music that just suit and you know straight away that what movie that's from. It's the same with this. And yeah, it has got a fucking amazing score. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. Um I mean, the end, though, is a bit weird, isn't it? Because Adrian manages to get into the ring. Rocky's completely fucked. Like, he can hardly stand up. He would never have been allowed to fight that last fight or the last round. She just hugs him and says, I love you. And he says, I love you too, or whatever. Then we just get a freeze frame of Rocky's face, and then it finishes. It's a really strange ending. It is, yeah. I mean, I don't really know how else they could have ended it. But, like, maybe they could have a bit more emphasis on, like, like you say, the outcome of the match. Because that... This is the whole build-up to it and everything, and it just seems to be very secondary. It's like the whole movie is based around it, this underdog story of him getting a world title match, and that just seems to sort of like completely fizzle out in the background. Yeah, I did kind of remember the end. Um, that's about one of the only bits I did remember, probably because when I was a kid, if I was watching this, I probably would have just fast-forwarded it to the fight, to be honest. I wouldn't have been interested in the rest of it. Yeah. 
Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, synopsis and our initial review of um, or our initial look at the movie itself. The only thing left to do now is to give this one some scores. So as it was JT's pick, it's over to you, mate. Okie dokie, yeah. Um, so, first off, I mean, as we've said throughout this, this film is so 70s. You can It just reeks of the 70s, and I fucking love that. I love 70s and 80s films, and I, I love modern films that were set in those decades as well. I just there's something about the seventies and eighties, either be the UK, America, it just I don't know, it just gets me. Maybe I grew up in the eighties, like I remember, but I don't obviously remember Philadelphia or anything. But um, yeah, I mean, as we've said as well, I guess this is kind of a love story film rather than an, an action film because it really centers around Rocky and Adrian's relationship, and obviously there just happens to be a fight at the end, and that's what Rocky's training for. Obviously, we get. Um, Paulie and everyone sort of in there as well, Mickey and the other people doing their thing. But it really is a love story, just a, a different one, I guess. I mean, Stallone, he wrote this film, obviously, and he, he wrote it for himself, but he's perfect as Rocky, the same way Arnie was perfect for The Terminator. I think Talia Shire is good as Adrian as well. Um, you could tell she's always going to be like a very pretty lady when she uh, scrubbed up. Um, Burgess Meredith is quite funny as Paulie, although he's a bit of a dick. He is really good and he's quite believable. Um, the fight scenes look, I think, really, really good for the budget, for the time. I think they've done a really good job there. I don't think they could have done it any better. So all in all, I really did enjoy watching this again. Although it's a slow burner, um, it kept me glued to the screen a whole two hours or just under two hours. And I'm actually going to watch the rest now, certainly up to Rocky four, maybe five. I'm not going to watch it because I think they've done some reboots. I'm not going to watch any of those, but it has made me want to watch the the rest of them, the originals anyway. I mean, the film is hailed as a classic, and I can certainly see why. So I'm going to have to give this a fully loaded four others bread roll. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What about yourself? Oh, four others. Very good, JT. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said at the start, I was never a huge fan of these movies when I was younger, and I haven't seen this one since I was quite young, to be honest. So when you recommended it, um, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's watch that. But I got, I watched it last weekend when we were originally going to record. Um, I was actually thinking, it's like, shit, do I even like these movies? And then it got to the point where I was like, oh man, I got to sit and watch fucking Rocky. So I did it on like <laughs> Sunday morning. I got up and fed my cats like usual. So I did a sort of seven a.m. special. I was like, right, let's have a morning coffee. Let's watch Rocky. Let's get it out of the way. I sort of sat down. I couldn't remember jack shit. I just remember it's him walking around going and fucking doing shit like that. So, um, but yeah, I've got to admit, I was pleasantly surprised because I'd forgotten how character-driven it was. And chances are, I just couldn't appreciate that when I was a kid. So I just liked action and fighting sequences, you know, as most kids do with movies. So having the actual very character-driven side of it, um, I actually quite liked. And as you said, Stallone is fucking brilliant. Yeah, he wrote it for himself, but he is perfectly cast. And he's very genuine, very likeable. And you can kind of get behind him in this movie, as are all the side characters. And I do feel... Um, I like Apollo Creed as a character, and I know he goes on to bigger things and more screen time, but I feel like Carl Weathers was a bit wasted in this movie, not being in it much. Um, I felt like we could have done a bit more of him, but I suppose it was all from that angle of Rocky going into a world that he doesn't understand or know, like the big, the lights, the glitz, the glamour. It's, it, you know, having less of that on screen probably helped portray his kind of like how he felt when he went into the arena and was unsure of himself. Cause he's like, Oh shit, I've dreamed of this all my life and now I don't know if I'm ready for it type of thing. So maybe that's what it was all about, but I do think I would have liked to have seen Carl Weathers in there a bit more. Um, yeah, the music's great. It's iconic. Uh, I love the look, like you said, of seventies and eighties movies. There's just something about them. I absolutely love them. They just feel so kind of 
I don't know, real, I guess. There's just something about them that sort of draws you in. They just look a bit more kind of authentic as opposed to some of the movies we get these days. But Sign of the Times, perhaps. Um, overall, yeah, I quite enjoyed watching this. It was paced pretty well. Um, it was a slow burner, but it didn't outstay its welcome in the first place. I was quite happy just to sort of watch it sort of trudge along. Um, I would say I'm still kind of indifferent to it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was. Because I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to watch this. And I actually ended up quite liking it. But I don't know if I'd actually seek it out to watch it again. But I would watch it again if someone recommended we stick it on, if that makes sense. So for me, and also I'm kind of tempted to watch the second, third, and maybe fourth one just to see how I feel about them now, but I'm not sure. Um, but for me, yeah, it was all right. It was good. Um, and I'm going to give it three others. A really good, strong three others right down the middle. I didn't love it, but I certainly didn't dislike it as much as I thought I might have done. It's just a really good classic movie, and it does deserve the title classic because... It's just got that look and feel about it. And I can see why people really do love these films. But for me, it's still not like something that really kind of lights my fire. But I did enjoy watching it. So, yeah, three others, JT. Oh, good stuff, Redwell. That's more than I thought you'd give it. Um, although I thought, same as myself, I appreciated it more now. I'm at a, a different age when I first watched this. Um, so I thought, yeah, you might, well, what you just said there pretty much is what I thought you'd probably say. But, yeah, three others. No, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, good stuff. Well, there we go. So that is our look at uh, Rocky. So let us know your thoughts on this movie. Um, I know there's probably some listeners out there who are really big fans of this. Let us know your thoughts. Um, do you think we scored it appropriately? Do you know any sort of like behind the scenes or tidbits or anything? Maybe we got wrong as we were going along. Was it really Carl Weathers and Stallone doing all the box at the end? Because if so, fair play to them. A lot of effort went into that as actors. Um, so yeah, there's our look at Rocky. Um, you can always get in touch with us at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. So join us next week as we're doing a movie. Oh, no. Now, I don't think... <laughs> you're laughing <laughs> already. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie, I doubt anyone's ever fucking heard of it, let alone seen it. And it just suddenly popped up on um, Prime. And it's always been a bit of a re- weird... I don't like using the term... Um, oh, what's it? You know, like when people say it's like it's kind of guilty pleasure. I don't like using that term, but it kind of is. And it's quite a short movie, so you'll like it. <laughs> it's called it's called Cube, and don't worry, it hasn't got that little toss of Philip Schofield in it. He's nowhere near it. Um, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a very it's this kind of sci-fi kind of horror, just called Cube. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment, and it runs for ninety minutes. And I just when it came up, I thought, yeah, I need to make JT watch that because I wanted to know what he thinks of it. <laughs> I think I have heard of it. I've certainly never seen it, but I, I think I am aware of it. Okay, yeah, we'll give that a go. Definitely. So there we are. We're going from the boxing ring to a cube. There we are. That's that's how we roll on the high Um but as I say it's on Prime. So if anyone wants to watch it ahead of time before listening to us attempt to review it, then be our guests. But uh, as always, thank you very much for joining us. This is Bread Roll signing off. And from EJT, I've just got one last thing to say. Is that a face you can trust or what? They ought to stick this face on the stamp. What do you think? <laughs>